we can see that he loved his father with everything he was and is. He was completely selfless, looking to do only the father's will in his life, even if it meant dying on the cross and paying for sins he did not commit. And this is what we must look to do to become completely selfless and submitted people to the Lord if we desire to have what God has for those that love him. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be seeing that it is necessary to be Christ followers. Every single person has a view on what life should be like. Most people think that if they focus on making themselves happy, looking to do their own will, and to serve their own interests, that this will make this life worth living. The meaning of life goes beyond selfish desires. If we look to the Word of God, we find that doing the complete opposite is what helps us find those things that really matter, starting with eternal life. Christ and His way are the answer to all things. Today's message is inspired on the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified and honored be your name. For you are worthy to be praised and exalted above all things, O Lord. For there is no one like you, and no one can do the things that you do, Lord God. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation, Lord God, that we find through him, for the forgiveness of sins, for all the answers that we can find in his person. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your word, for your Holy Spirit. I give you thanks, O Lord, that your desire is to guide us, to help us to understand, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may please forgive my sins and my wrongs, O Lord. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that I may be useful to you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may help us to have soft hearts, Lord God, to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those of earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but 
how much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for he indeed was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. If we truly want to please God, we need to be like Jesus. There is no other way. That is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our prime example to follow. And so we need to have the mind of Christ. If we start looking at this, we can start by asking, what was Jesus like? What was his mind, his thoughts like? Let's look again at what we just read. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The one overarching thing we can see is that Jesus was selfless. He came to serve and not to be served. That's how you can tell that he wasn't focused on himself. So we can understand that he came to fulfill someone else's will and not his own. We can see what Jesus himself said in John chapter 5, verse 30, where it says, I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. His focus was to do the Father's will and not his own. We see this truth also in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, where he was teaching his disciples how to pray, where it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In his sample prayer, we see that the first priority, the petition, is that he is focused on the Father's kingdom coming and that the Father's will be done. 
We can also see this completely selfless submission to his father right before even being arrested when he was going to become the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. Focus yet again, not in his own well-being or comfort, but rather focus on what the father wanted. Matthew chapter 26 tells us this in verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And if we jump ahead to verse 42, we read this also, all during the same event. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. There are many other examples of the Lord's selfless attitude throughout the Gospels. But these clearly indicate that he was looking to do the Father's will, completely selfless, which means that if we are to follow Christ, if we are to be like Christ, then our focus, our goal should be the same. Now, some people might say, well, that was Jesus. Of course, he was supposed to do the Father's will, and he was the only one capable of doing that. And yes, that is true. But despite that, we are to do the same. That is the whole point of being a Christian, a Christ follower. We can see similar examples in the Apostle Paul where he gave this very clear instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. It doesn't get any clearer. Paul doesn't offer this as a good idea or a good practice or even as an option. He says it like a directive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we see some of the struggles Paul went through because he was selflessly looking to fulfill God's will in his life, where it says, To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. I have to say that from a human point of view, this is not a glamorous life. But despite that, despite the hardship, the discomfort, the pain, and the agony, Paul remained completely focused on being selfless, looking only to do the Father's will. We can see the other example in today's key passage in Timothy. If we go back, we see that Paul says that Timothy is like-minded, and that is why he is sending him. And we also see that Paul finds this problem that most people are seeking their own good, their own conveniences, and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Things back then do not seem very different to the way things are now. Most people are looking for their own interests, for their own personal benefit. Yet in this Timothy, Paul states that he has a proven character of being selfless, of looking to serve God's intents and desires. Paul even says that this Timothy served with him in the gospel as a son with his father. Timothy was a completely dedicated and focused person on doing God's will, thereby denying his own personal benefit. Epaphroditus is another example we see in this passage. We see that this Epaphroditus was like a brother to Paul, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier that ministered or served God's purposes, looking to do God's will. And we read that this Epaphroditus even gotten sick to the point of nearly dying for the sake of the work, for the sake of doing God's will. He didn't have a regard for his own life, for his own comfort and needs. And so throughout the word of God, 
We can see example after example of people that also had this sentiment, this desire, this mind that was clearly focused on God's purposes, looking to fulfill God's will on earth, completely selfless. Now, I hope this is one question that is burning in your mind, and that is, how can I become like Christ? It starts by being born again in Christ. It is impossible to become like Christ unless we are born again in Him because this is something we cannot do on our own. We are incapable by ourselves to be like Christ and to do as Christ did because of our sinful nature. We are incapable of fulfilling God's law on our own. That's why we can never depend on our own good works or our own abilities. And so salvation and pleasing God is clearly not just about trying to be a good person like a lot of people think. That mindset is not consistent with what the Bible teaches. We need direct divine intervention within our own lives. To become like Christ, we need to belong to Christ. We need to hand over or surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ fully and completely. And that is how Christ can come to live inside our hearts. Jesus explained this new birth in John chapter 3. Here is where we read of this conversation the Lord had with Nicodemus, where he explained it to him. And it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he said that we need to be born of water and the Spirit. What Jesus means by being born of water is that he is referring to John the Baptist's baptism of repentance. If we look back at John the Baptist's ministry, his whole purpose was to prepare the way for the Lord. Mark chapter 4 tells us exactly what he did, where it says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. This baptism was a symbolism of complete and public repentance because we read that they even confessed their sins, that the people were figuratively burying their old selves in the water and rising up as new individuals, doing away with their old life, turning away from all of the sin in their lives. And so if this full and complete repentance is not done, then Christ cannot come into a person's life. We must turn away from sin, understanding that sin only produces death and destruction. This is one of those things that prevent many people from being able to have a true relationship with the Lord because many people have a problem with wanting to let go of all of their sin by failing to understand that it is all bad. Many people try to justify themselves somehow, thinking to themselves, it can't be that I've done everything wrong. In order for there to be life, there must be a complete dying to self, to the sin that dwells within our flesh. Some people are just not done sinning. As someone told me once, probably the most honest person I've ever met. 
I remember I was trying to share the gospel with someone at work who was going through a lot of personal turmoil. I tried explaining to him that if he really wanted for his life to change, that he needed to surrender his life to Jesus. And so he told me, John, you're not the first one to tell me that. And I said, so if I'm not the first, then what's keeping you from doing it? And he said, as honest as I have ever heard anyone say, John, I'm just not done sinning. His desire to continue pursuing sinful things kept him from surrendering his life to Christ. Now, most people will invent excuses and will try to blame their disbelief or lack of surrendering to other things, and typically it's always God's fault somehow. But the truth is that they don't want to let go of sin. They may feel bad for certain things, but not for everything. And you can't be 99% repentant per se in order to be ready to have Christ come into your life you need to be 100% repented and converted. This is how Jesus also explained it when he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honor. And so this complete repentance and conversion to Christ, this surrendering of self to Him and serving the Lord not only yields eternal life, but it will also yield honor from God the Father Himself. Now, some might say, I'm only looking to get saved and not necessarily to serve Christ. And the issue with that, according to the Bible, is that you cannot have one without the other. The only way to salvation is by following Jesus Christ. And that means serving him as a result of surrendering your life to him. His way is the only way that immortality can be achieved. So this whole notion of I just want to be saved and that's it doesn't work. And there is a practical explanation to that. The only way we can have everlasting life is by sowing in the spirit, which means doing those things that ultimately God desires doing God's will. Galatians chapter 6 says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is the way the physical and spiritual worlds are constructed. Here is where we understand also that if a person just chooses to do their own will, although they profess to be a believer in Christ, they will reap corruption and not everlasting life. Why is that? Because there is this one fundamental law, for the wages of sin is death. When you look to serve the flesh, to carry out your own desires, to lead a selfish life, you are ultimately sinning. And sinning doesn't mean that it only happens when you kill someone or something like that. Sin literally means to miss the mark, meaning that you are not perfect. Does this mean that when you follow Christ that you are going to be perfect? No. But the intent of your heart must be Christ and to be like Christ. This is also a fundamental law within the things of God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God knows all things, and he will give everyone according to the intent of their heart. When we completely surrender our lives to Christ and we give our will over to him, 
then that is where it all changes because we are then justified by Christ for what he has already done. But if we also choose to lead a submitted life, a surrendered life, looking to do his will, here's where more truth in case you were doubtful because an Old Testament verse was quoted and some folks try to ignore the Old Testament. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and then many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so here is where we understand that good works and wholesome intent go hand in hand because it's not just about what you do, but also why you do it. Why is just as important as what to God? That is why we must be Christ followers at heart by intent and in action. This is what God is after, but this can only happen through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and living out the word of God in your life, starting by this very principle and center of all things that Jesus reiterated. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. In everything that Jesus did, we can see that he loved his Father with everything he was and is. He was completely selfless, looking to do only the Father's will in his life, even if it meant dying on the cross and paying for sins he did not commit. And this is what we must look to do to become completely selfless and submitted people to the Lord if we desire to have what God has for those that love him. It is necessary to be a Christ follower. Many people have developed their own ideas on what is necessary in life. Some people have ideas that involve just being focused on earthly things, on this very temporary world. Some people think that if you are just a good person, that somehow having that attitude will be worth something to God. There are people that have a genuine interest in helping others, but being selfless does not necessarily mean just thinking about other people. The whole notion and concept of being selfless needs to have God as a priority. The priority can never be people. God's priority is that he needs to be first. And as a result of him being first, then helping other people comes into play. Jesus didn't necessarily come with the goal to help people. That wasn't what motivated him. He helped people and did us the greatest service anyone could ever do to mankind because that is what God the Father wanted him to do. And so it can never be the other way around. God must be first. And as a result of putting God first, then the Lord is the one that generates the ideas, the will, the desire to do things that help other people through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word by the Lord himself, by faith, indwelling our lives. That's what it means when the Word says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When we submit our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, then through that indwelling, through that obedience to the word, is that the will and the action to do his good pleasure comes into fruition. All the things that need to happen occur when we look to do one thing and one thing alone, 
to love the Lord with everything we are. Then the rest occurs as a consequence of that decision, of that desire to obey, of that complete submission and surrender to the Lord's will. If you haven't done so yet, I urge you to look to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ by repenting and converting from all of your sins and surrendering your life, your will only to Him, so that you too can find the eternal life and the eternal reward that God has for those that love Him and serve Him. I urge you to think more about immortality than about this very temporary and meaningless life here and now. Doing your own will gains you nothing. Doing God's will through Jesus Christ gains you all things. And so, nothing here can compare to the Lord God Almighty and to His reward. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Mighty God, Loving God, I praise You and I thank You, O Lord, for Your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, that through him is that you give us all the opportunities that we need and all the power and all the ability, Lord God, to be able to attain salvation. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that he needs to be the Lord of our lives, that he is the one that needs to tell us every step of the way what we need to do, that we just need to obey, that we need to submit, that we need to surrender. Heavenly Father, I know it is hard for each one of us because most of us, if not all of us, just desire to do what we want to do. But help us to understand, O oh Lord, that our ways will only take us so far. Help us to understand that your ways, your will, your desire is what Lord God allows for us to be able to have access to eternal life and to the eternal rewards that you have for those that love you. Help us to understand, Lord God, that when we just do what we want to do, Lord God, that we just wind up hurting ourselves and others. Help us to understand, O oh Lord, that your way is what's best for us. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, please, O oh Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, Heavenly Father, and help us to be able to see beyond ourselves and beyond our just very limited mindset. I give you thanks and I praise you, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.